Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you act so sad? Get out of your bag. Serving God, I'm glad. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you act so sad? Get out of your bag. Serving God, I'm glad. I only serve one God. One nation under God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is Friday. Well, when you all listen to it, it'll be Friday. And technically, we're about, I want to say, a little over 20 minutes. Or right at 20 minutes of it being Friday. April 16th, 2021. My name is Mike Purvis, and I am the host of the Amen Corner Podcast. And I am here along with my co-host, Mr. Joshua Powell. Josh, how you doing today, bro? Well, tonight. I'm doing yourself. <laughs> Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm a little bit tired, but we're going to press on in, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh! <laughs> Alright, so um, this is a pretty, um, I want to say it's a pretty serious episode. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the topic. There has been a lot of things that have been going on in recent times as far as um, social justice I feel like this is, um, or some of you may feel like this is, uh, this is a thing that we um, constantly talk about on the podcast. But it's been a lot of things happening, and which has really um, forced us, or really encouraged us, I should say, to engage in conversation about what the church's role will be in that. Um, so this is why we decided to name it the Church and Social Justice. We have talked about this in other episodes in somewhat smaller facets. But I really wanted to take a episode and talk about what we can do here and now based off of the things that have been going on. And just as I remembered, um, thank you to everybody who is watching on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that, I don't know if I said that already, but oh well. Um, those of you who are listening on those respective platforms, thank you for listening and tuning in with us. Please follow us on social media, Instagram at the Amen Corner Podcast. I'm pulling up the Twitter right now because I always forget it around the time that I'm getting ready to do the show. Um, the Twitter is underscore at the Amen, at underscore the Amen Corner. Um, and the Facebook page is the Amen Corner Podcast. Um, like I usually say, each one of our social media handles has a link tree. Um, that has all of our links for our respective social media platforms that we're on and our respective streaming platforms that we broadcast the show on. So if you want to listen, if you find it on one platform and you want to listen to it on another, um, the link tree is there for you to be able to do that and listen to this great podcast on the streaming platform of your choice. All right. So with that being said and with everything, with the preliminaries out of the way, let's go ahead and get into it. So, um... Our trending topics are kind of well, really, but with the um, with the exception of our gospel music highlight, um, the trending topics and a lot part of it is going to be a lot of intersecting parts in this um, episode here. I want to talk to you in the first trending topic about a pastor who predicted to end Trump's presidency and how he said that God is going to reimburse Black Americans, um, according to the Christian Post. Despite opposition among some conservatives, right? Hold on, I'm sorry, Josh. But I'm getting ready to send this man an offering right now. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm broke. But um, despite the opposition among some conservatives uh, to the idea of reparations for slavery, the Reverend John A. Kilpatrick, a self-styled Assemblies of God prophet in Alabama, who predicted the end of Trump's presidency in 2018 
also predicted that God is going to reimburse black Americans for their trouble and labor. Kilpatrick, who leased the Church of His Presence in Daphne, Alabama. Wow, he's a Southern guy. As well as, that's that's really, wow. I'm sorry. Uh, as well as John Kilpatrick Ministries made the prediction in a viral clip earlier this month by online personality, that was shown by online personality Larry Reed. The Alabama preacher told Christian Post on Wednesday that the clip is at least two years old, roughly around the same time that he predicted that former President Donald Trump wouldn't have a second term in office due to the witchcraft trying to take this country over that he would not be able to withstand. I made these comments not because I was addressing any particular issue in my church, but because it wasn't necessary to do that. I was just making the statement that black people in America have endured so much, he said. I was raised in the Deep South. I was raised in Georgia, and my playmates used to be black kids. And I love them, and they love me. And I don't like to see anybody mistreated and anybody abused in any kind of way. And I was just making a statement that morning that I believe God is going to remunerate, and I don't know if that's the right pronunciation of the word, forgive me, and bless the black race because of all that they've been deprived of. Um... Then the article went on to talk about how um, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee had introduced the term or um, or re- introduced a bill that would talk about reparations. And um, as she was expounding on what this bill would entail, she said, consequently, the reparations movement does not focus on payments to individuals, but ne- but to remedies that can be created in as many forms necessary to equi- to equitably dress address excuse me the many kinds of injuries sustained from chattel slavery and its continuing vestiges to merely focus on finance is an empty gesture and betrays a lack of understanding in the depth of the unaddressed moral issues that continue to haunt this nation during a, com- during a committee debate Wednesday Lee added we are asking for people to understand the pain the violence the brutality and the challenges of what we went through and of course, we're asking for harmony, reconciliation, reasons to come together as American. I'm, there's more to read, but I'm gonna stop there. I like that, but I want my 40 acres and a mule. Holla at your boy. Right. <laughs> that's that's nice, but there's a whole lot of 40 acres and a mule and and some money. I I guess I guess Dave Chappelle's. Uh, I know this is this is kind of not the best thing to talk about on here, but I guess Dave Chappelle's scared about black people getting reparations to scare Congress and they don't want to give us the, the money and stuff, but alright, continuing. Um, going back to uh, Reverend Kilpatrick, they said, while noting that he did not know enough about some of the more recent high-profile shootings of black men like 20-year-old Dante Wright in Minnesota, which we'll talk about more in our main topic, Kilpatrick said that there's a spiritual component to the violence happening today. I can understand so much of the frustrations that uh, they, referring to black people, are going through. Um, at the same time, I realize that we are living in a world filled with hatred and violence. That is the way it is before the coming of the Lord. The Lord said that one of the main things that filled the earth in the days of Noah was, uh, he said, as it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. He said the earth was filled with violence, and I believe that violence is pervasive right now. I believe it's filling the earth. I really do. It's not just a racial thing. It's not just a black and white thing. This is the, just the spirit of violence that is filling in the earth, which I believe is prophetic when you look at all the school shootings that are along with the police killings that are going on and just all the terroristic acts that we're seeing now that we're starting to get into the reopening phases of the country. I definitely believe he was right about that. Um, he said, I believe that right before the coming of Christ, I believe that we're close to that. He urged pastors to try speaking calm into tense situations such as uh, on discussions on race, and that is something that Christ would have done. 
that was a I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to put a whole lot of that in there, but I wanted to be able to I know that's usually longer than the training topics a long or a longer section of how we usually do the training topics, but I wanted to paint that picture just so that I could paint the next picture for this one. And I'm I'm sorry, we're recording late at night, so I might be a little bit brash with what I say on this next article. But um you have some pastors who are you have some individuals who are for reparations and then you have some individuals who are against reparations, which leads us to our next trending topic. Um, Herschel Walker says that reparations is outside the teachings of Jesus. I'm going to save my comments for later on that. I'm just going to leave it. Ain't that one more time, bro? Look, Herschel Walker says that reparations is outside the teachings of Jesus. I want to read it and then I'm going to say my comments because, uh, yeah. Um, mm. Former professional football player Herschel Walker told the House Judiciary Committee during a hearing on reparations. I don't know why they're interviewing him. I'm, or, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let these fly as we go. Um, yeah, I don't know why he, he, he got to testify. I don't know why. Um, during a hearing on reparations that black Ameri- for black America, that white America should not be asked to pay for the sins of their forefathers because it's the outside of the teachings of Jesus. First of all, nobody's asking just white America to pay. But uh, uh, all right, Herschel, I guess, you, I guess you know everything on that one. Um, <laughs> citing Ezekiel eighteen twenty, I had to look that scripture up. Let me pull up my Bible real fast. Um, Ezekiel. How come every time you want to find a scripture, you can't? Ezekiel eighteen and twenty. Um, it says, "The soul that sinneth, it shall die." The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Um, I don't know why he's referencing that scripture, because if you want to get technical, the father and the son are sinning, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. Okay, Herschel, I guess, guess you know that one. Um, who played for... Citing Ezekiel 18 and 20, Walker, who played for NFL teams such as the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys, said Wednesday that white Americans should not have to pay for the sins of the ancestors because it goes against scripture. Anyway, um, the one who sins is the one who dies. All right, I just read that one. If reparations is a fee and a correction for a terrible sin of slave owners, government, or others, but we punish a non-guilty party does it not create division or separation between different races? And it continues to let us know that we are all still African-American rather than just American. Reparations or atonement is outside the teachings of Jesus Christ. Um, no Walker, 1982 Heisman. I can't do this. Okay. Um, in the words of what somebody said on the 85 South show, uh, Herschel Walker played football when the helmets were soft. So, <laughs> Herschel Walker is not all the way there. <laughs> Yeah, we're learning that a lot. That Herschel Walker is not all the way there. Um, let this be a lesson to you all that want to play football and want to be running backs. If you if you got if you in a physical league, you, you better better make sure you protecting your head. I had a I had like four more bullet points, but I really can't do this because this is oh my goodness. Um, yeah, these are just a whole bunch of um, errant, even errant evangelical talking points that are irrelevant to the plot, and especially if you hear about what Sealer Jackson Lee said is going to be a part of reparations of the fact that there that it should more so be about reconciliation and working through the things of slavery, because at the end of the day, 
there are many institutions that began in slavery that are still um, standing and still are not to the advantage of black Americans. Herschel. So, yeah. I don't know when he... I guess he's the new token black guy for the evangelicals, but all right. I want to leave that alone. Um, Yeah, never... Okay. (laughs) Um, Anyway. (laughs) So, um... Many of y'all have heard me talk about the gospel music highlight. Um, well, y'all heard, you heard me talk about it in the earlier part of the episode. Um, we formulated and shifted around a whole bunch of names of how we wanted to name it. Um, we went from what's in your playlist right now to stuff about the Stellars. And I believe the best way to just make sure that we can encompass stuff that we were talking about when we first introduced this segment and even in the last episode is just to name it the gospel music highlight and leave it at that. Um... In gospel music, in the gospel music world now, um, Kiara Shear just released her new book um, on April 13th. It was a memoir called Big, Bold, and Beautiful, Owning the Woman That God Made You to Be. Uh, in an interview with BET, uh, Shear talked about her journey to self-empowerment, body positivity, and how her faith has shaped her in loving her whole self. Sheard revealed that while she discovered a lot about herself during the writing process, she never intended to write a book and let others into her private thoughts. Saying the book wasn't intentional is actually me journaling life as a form of therapy. The things that I've learned about myself is that I'm sensitive. I can be a bulldog. I don't like confrontation. I'm very sensitive with vibes, and I'm a family person. I'm a workaholic. I love serving people, and I love seeing people win. Coming from a famous church-going family, Sheard also talks about the pros, the pros and cons of being gospel royalty. Uh, the pros are the blessings that you get naturally to be able to sing. Music is in my family. The cons come from the pressure of legacy that has been established in the public eye. Um, Sheard spoke about her faith in God and not only has it sustained during quarantine, but it helped her manage the loss of her beloved Nana, uh, Mother Willie Mae Sheard, who passed in COVID, from COVID-19 last April. Um, I think that it was good for her to be able to release this. Um, that whole family, the Sheards are on fire. Like... Bishop Shear just became presiding bishop. Um, Clark's sisters and Kiera just came out with new albums that are stellar nominated. Um, even though Bishop Shear's mother and father did go through COVID and his mother ultimately um, passed on from the virus, um, this has been a very successful. I, I don't, for lack of better terms, I know uh, disregarding that situation, but this has been a very successful year for them, and we definitely wish them more success in the years to come. All right. I know we're kind of zooming a little bit fast, but y'all don't understand. We're recording in this like a few minutes to 12 and I'm trying to low key go to bed cause I've been tired all day. So excuse us if we're zooming through this stuff just a little bit. Um, let's see the main topic that we're going to talk about today, the church and social justice. Um, it seems like, once again, we're not, not, not really that it seems like, once again, we are in the middle of yet another um, moment in America of civil unrest that has occurred because a unarmed African-American man has been shot and killed by the police. Um, there has been a lot of ongoing things that have been, come out about that I just seen one today about a young 13 year old boy that got killed um there was a young black um, man who had autism 
that went in that was actually walking in his neighborhood got harassed by a um a military officer we are going through the Derek Chauvin trial um which is the pretty much the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd and the shooting of Dante Wright now I'm gonna tell you why Dante Wright shook me up just a little bit um and hopefully I'll get to expound on this more um, in the last two, in one of the, either one of the last two episodes, if we're able to get our scheduling together, um, Dante Wright was actually killed in the city that I used to go to church in, in Minnesota. Um, he was killed in a city called Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, and the location of where he was killed was about a mile away from where I go, where I used to go to church at, at, at down at uh, Jehovah Jireh Ministries Church of God in Christ, where. Superintendent McKinley Moore is the pastor. Um, yeah, and that really definitely kind of wrecked. It kind of messed me up just a little bit because, I mean, George Floyd messed me up just a little bit because it was in the same state. But, I mean, this is really an area that, you know, I've spent a lot of time in. My family has spent a lot of time in. And just to be able to see that thing like that is pretty um, heartbreaking. Um, most recently... My pastor from Minnesota, uh, Pastor Moore, has been leading prayer vigils in that area of Brooklyn Center. He'll be leading another one um, Friday, right around the time that this broadcast will be released a little bit earlier than that. And yeah, it's just heart disheartening to see things like that happening so close to an area that we um, where we called home at one point. Um, so what do we get out of all of this? All of, out of all of the civil unrest, even in this year, even the major ones, Dante Wright, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, all of the racial killings, and specifically the police killings that have happened in the last few years. Um, and it seems like these killings aren't stopping anytime soon. It seems like we just hear one after another, and it sometimes gets to the point where it's overwhelming. You know, it's happening so much where you're confusing some with the other, in some instances with the other, and it's just so many, it's just like, we haven't really had that much of a break, because it was just in June, and we're coming up almost on a, uh, after a few months, uh, as of right now, to be around a year that we, that America was almost in every city, there were protesting riots, because of the George Floyd uh, incident that happened. Um, and this is pretty interesting for the church. Um, if you heard us, we referenced this when we were discussing the Black Church documentary that a lot of times, um, well, that a lot of times when you see these movements, it is different than what we saw in the 60s and 50s with civil rights because we are not seeing the church at the forefront. And to be completely honest, we really haven't seen that since the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, where we have church organizations or or a specific church organization that is spearheading a lot of the um, protests and things of that nature. Um, and that really puts the church in an interesting position as far as how does the church respond to these incidents when they happen in the community? Um, what does the church tell individuals who may be frustrated who may be sick and tired of being sick and tired and who may have a whole lot of pent-up anger that they are ready to release in the form of looting, in the form of riots. How does the church 
respond to that in a way that continues to encourage the community and does not work towards the detriment of the community. Um, and like I said, that's really setting us up um, for, or not really like I said, but that's setting us up now for our million dollar question is what role should the church have during moments of civil unrest? I'll say this. The mm. church has a responsibility to be peaceful, but not passive. I'll say that again. The church has a responsibility to be peaceful and not passive. The one thing that I saw um, that I as I saw there were a few there were many pastors who got out and they prayed during the protest like I just mentioned my, uh, my pastor's holding prayer vigils in Brooklyn Center now with a lot of the other clergy that are um, in the area of Brooklyn Center and um, surrounding areas I saw pastors that went out there and marched with individuals but it was disheartening from a certain standpoint to see how some pastors um, really spent more time attacking individuals who were a part of riots and speaking out against individuals who are part of riots than speaking out against these injustices that we see in America today and the unjust killings that are coming through our respective police departments. So I believe that the church has a mandate now to understand, to begin to be able to understand or or come forward with a sense of understanding of why black Americans are coming out and looting and why black Americans are coming out and rioting. You know, I'm seeing, you know, them sharing pictures and memes calling some of the rioters animals and things like that. And I didn't believe that that was right. It was a preacher. Matter of fact, it was Martin Luther King who told us that riots are the language of the unheard. That people don't just go and destroy property and things like that for a reason. It is because they do not, they didn't, they may have not heard the march. They may have not heard the, um, the rally. So if you don't hear us, then maybe you will fill us and see us when we go out and dismantle, you know, the neighborhood and do things like that. Now, I believe this. I believe that at the end of the day, there there is a limit to everything. So please don't understand that I'm that of me saying that in this position that I am condoning individuals who riot and who loot and do things like that. But what I'm saying is this, is that the church needs to not be as insensitive to those people who riot but to also understand that, but to more, to, but to be empathetic to those people and to understand that they do this because they are tired, they are frustrated, and they are upset of how America's justice system treats African Americans, and to be able to offer them a sense of calm and peace, and to be able to tell them through the and comfort them through the word and the love of Christ that, you know, this may not be the way to writing. And to be able to, this may not be the way to fully express how you feel. And I believe that the church should have a responsibility to create outlets that are safer for our communities to be able to, you know, voice their opinions. Because there were some areas 
where it wasn't just white communities that were coming in and being looted and, and, and torn apart, but it was black communities. It was in some, in very few instances, because I don't want to make this a, t I don't want to, because this has been a talking point for people who are against riots, that they were just going into black communities. It was more so, it was many other corporate white communities, but there were a few straggled incidents where they had gone into black businesses and black shops and they had gone in and, um, and destroyed those. So really in order to prevent that, the church should be able to create an environment, a calm environment, a safe environment where people can come in and express their anger and express their frustration and allow the peace of God to come in and calm their hearts. But still remember that we have a cause and that we have a goal that we're trying to fight for and that the things that are happening in America cannot continue to happen. All right, I know y'all probably sick of me talking. So, Josh, what do you think about this? So, the role that the church should have, like, for the, for the unrest, like, you know, during, like, you know, like, these times, you know, definitely should be peace, right? We need to have peace as a community. We need to understand that when it comes down to, um, when it comes down to the, when it comes down to, um, when it comes down to the black community, we need to, you know, understand that, like, yes, we're angry, but as a church, you know, we have to be unified and, you know, understand that, you know, people are angry and stuff like that. And we need to actually, you know, behave correctly as, you know, children of Christ. Right. And for a fact, we have to, you know, be of God. We have to, you know, we can't be of the world, you know what I'm saying? But like, you know, there's definitely going to be, you know, protests and stuff like that that's happening. And, you know, some of them are not peaceful, but we have to be peaceful. But the thing is, as Mike said, like, you know, sometimes when it comes down to protest, that some people, that some people don't, um, that some people have to, like, you know, be angry. Like, you know, there's fires happening, you know, people burning buildings and stuff like that, like this past summer. But, you know, it's a call. It's a call for all of us that we have to understand that we're actually trying to, like, reach out for real. We're trying to, like, you know, call for help. But overall we have to be peaceful and you know we can't condone those people that like like you know we don't condone like you know the violence and stuff like that but definitely you know have peace you know definitely you know go to those peaceful you know protests definitely you know have a say in the church so that's definitely what i believe in when it comes down to it yeah that was good i definitely uh agree with what you're talking about when it comes to um as far as being able to just be peaceful and you uh, brought up something pretty interesting about the fact that we still should be involved within these peaceful protests that um, just because we may not agree with, you know, what or how the methods are done, um, at the end of the day, um, it's not just all riots and it's not just all looting. There are a lot of, there were a lot of peaceful marches and protests and things that went on and most of the confrontation came from um, police officers who were trying to you know, and, um, enforce unfair curfews and things like that. So that's really where we saw a lot of the violence and stuff that was going on, but just making sure that the church is still present, that the church still has a, still has, um, and maintains its important and influential voice within our community is, um, the most important thing out of all of that. Um, there's, it's happened too much for the church to continue to be passive about it. 
Um, I'm not saying that all churches are, but there are a great number of are a great number of them are. Well, I'm not saying that all of them are, or a great number of them are, but there are a f- to, to those that decided to be passive, um, and to those that have decided to um, not align themselves with things uh, of this nature, and are really trying to say that these things are of the utmost importance. That these that these things aren't of the utmost importance. Um, it is to the point now where, and I hate to say this, that these things that are happening in our communities could happen to any one of us. Um, and it's the fact that it could happen to, um, it's the fact that, and that really is the fact of the matter that we really need to be able to make sure that we are speaking out to our community because at the end of the day, um, it's happened too much and our community is um, hurting from it. So we need to be able to make sure that we are extending our um, arms out to help in the best way that we can, but that we are doing it in a way that well represents ourselves and the church. So with that being said, we want to thank you for tuning in. I'm sorry if I sound real tired. It's already midnight. So technically, you will be listening to this on Friday, and we can say, I'm going to say later on today. (laughs) But thank you for listening. Um, thank you for continuing to share with us. We only have two more episodes left in this season. Um, so, and really, um, when we get down to it, we want to be able to make sure that you all are receiving the information that we talk about and that you are enjoying the content that we talk about because, um, really your feedback and your feeling about our podcast is really what will go into the decision of whether or not we continue to make this, um, podcast a thing for um we had the 12 weeks required in order to um meet a quota for my voice for broadcasting class that i'm taking now um but after those 12 weeks it's really up to me if i want to continue this or not so make sure that you all are um letting us know how much you enjoy the podcast if you do enjoy um if you are connected to me or josh don't hesitate to message me or Josh about things that you would like to hear us talk about or just letting us know how much you enjoy the podcast. If you want to reach out to the page and let them know, share this page with people that you know who are interested in things um, or interested in the issues that we talk about here. Um, like I said, in- the engagement that we receive um, will really encourage us and will really go into our decision as far as whether we will continue this show Um as we go on, I'm going to take a little bit of a break over the summer, though. I'm going to let you know that right now. So so don't expect the episode right after the 13th week because I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a break. You know what I'm saying? But um, when it comes time for the second season to commence, if we do, if the, uh, if the Lord will, as the old saints would say, um, just let us know that you're enjoying the podcast. And we'll be able to, and we'll make the decision to continue as we go. Um, so with that being said, Thank you all for um, joining and listening to this show. My name is Mike Purvis. And my name is Joshua Powell. And we will see you all again next week. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you lack so sad? Get out of your bag. Serving God, I'm glad. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you lack so sad? Get out of your bag. Serving God, I'm glad. I only serve one God. One nation under God. GG is my squad.